0: Glory to God, hallelujah. Hello everyone everywhere, this is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith, glory to God. We have a good Bible study online today. We're going to be praying about the the prayer that Jesus prayed for you. Did you know he prayed for you? Well, of course he did, Brother Bob. I mean, he's Jesus. He prays for us all the time. Yeah, but there's specific things he asked the Father to give you. And most Christians are not walking in these things. They're still asking Jesus to give them to them. And he already has. And we're going to open your eyes to that today. Amen? Let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father... In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Oh, Father, thank you for loving us while we were still sinners, running away from you, not towards you. But you still sent Jesus to the cross to die in our place. And then you raised him from the dead. To show us that we could have eternal life through him. Lord Jesus, we give you praise for the salvation bought and paid for in your blood. And we thank you for the forgiveness of all our sins. Every single person. Lord, we thank you that the love of God is now shed abroad in our hearts. We ask you to have your way in the broadcast this day. We yield our minds and our hearts, and we yield ourselves to your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that your word is going forth right now throughout this whole earth and does not return to you void. Your word is accomplishing what you please. Your word is prospering where you send it. Your word is touching the hearts and lives of the listeners all around this earth right now. And to you we give the honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Join me in our confession of faith. It's commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed, but I like starting our Sunday broadcast with this statement of faith. Jesus said that, you know, that, Anything not, put it like this. The Bible says that he is our foundation. And everything that is built upon the foundation that is built of gold and silver and precious stones will stand the test of fire and remain. But everything not built of precious stones but would stay in Hubble would be burned. You see, we cannot rebuild the foundation, but the foundation is Christ. And this statement of faith lays the groundwork for the broadcast today upon which I want to build. So join me and recite the Apostles' Creed, what I call our statement of faith, out loud. At least loud enough for your own two ears to hear. Amen? Amen. and sits right now at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from where he shall come soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And I believe in life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Get your Bibles. Turn to John chapter 17. I'm going to begin reading in chapter 16, verse 31. And you can turn there too if you want. Uh, A very brief summary. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. This is His prayer for His disciples. He's been teaching them, beginning way back in John 14 and John 15 and John 16, His final instructions and His final explanations of the kingdom of God and what He wants them to do. Now, put yourself into a situation where you know you are about to die. And your loved ones are gathered around you. Your last words, you want them to have from you. You want to be personable, personal, instructional. And something they can hold on to, remember, and use. It's not just, you know, oh, little Johnny, I'm sure going to miss you. You're not going to miss anything. They may miss you. And that's where, you know, the mourning process and all that takes place because you're missing the presence of the person who's gone on to be with the Lord. They're not going to miss you. Even if you or even if they lived another forty or fifty years on this earth, you will not miss them in heaven because a day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. I My mother died when I was eighteen months old, and I did a calculation once that even if I lived you know another sixty, 70 years when I finally die and go to heaven, she's going to turn around like, whoa, wow, what are you doing here already? Because to her, that entire 70-year lifespan, to her would only be about 40 minutes in heaven. Amen? So they're not going to miss you when they die and go to heaven. You'll miss them. But if you're the person who, who knows he's going to die, Your last words are very important for the continuation of life on this earth for your family. You don't want to get up and curse them. You want to bless them. Amen? And that's what Jesus is doing. He knows his time has come. And he is instructing his disciples, one more time in the kingdom of God and how to operate in the kingdom of God. Now down in verse 31, Jesus asked them, do you now believe? He's asking, do they believe the things he just finished instructing them in? He said, behold, the hour now comes and has come that you will be scattered every man to his own basically he's saying own home and you will leave me alone but yet i will not be alone because the father's with me and all these things i have spoken to you that in me you might have peace shalom nothing missing nothing broken complete wholeness in the world you will have tribulation They just got done saying, but in me you will have peace. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, here he says, I've overcome the world. Basically, he's saying he's deprived it of power to harm you. The world no longer has any power over you, over your life, over your destiny, and for sure, they don't have any hold any power over your eternity. Oh, they may kill you, they could take away all your possessions. But what can they do about your soul? Jesus once said, "Fear him that can both kill you and cast your soul into hell." So, he's given you all his power, all his authority. And he said, in him, you can have peace. Total, complete peace. Because he has already overcome the world. Chapter 17, verse 1. At these words, Jesus spoke, and then lifted his eyes to heaven, and said, this is the beginning of his prayer now. Father, the hours come. This hour has been planned since the beginning of the world when the foundations of the world were laid and Satan deceived E and man fell. This hour for all of eternity has now come to this point as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. It rests upon Jesus in this hour. There's still temptation there. Remember, we're not going to get there, but when they arrested Jesus in the garden, just a couple hours from what we're studying, and Peter took out a sword, cut off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest, Jesus says, stop. And he healed Malchus, and he said, you know, this has to happen to fulfill the will of God don't you think I could ask my father right now for 12 legions of angels and he'd send them so see all of this is leading up it's still a temptation Jesus can still say forget it they're not worth it and be the only one to go to heaven forever just go back be with God Say, let's just start over and you know, let's get this whole world, just wipe it out. Just wipe it out. But no, he's still fulfilling God's will. And that's why he said, Father, the hour has now come. Glorify your son. Let's look at that term. Glorify your son. Bathe him in the glory of God. Moses, when asked if he could see God, he said, I want to see your glory. That's your entire personality, your entire being. I want to see you, God. And God said, no man can see my face or he will die. He said, but hide yourself here in this cleft of the rock. I'll put my hand over you to protect you as I walk by and you will see My rear parts. In other words, you'll see my glory after it's passed by you. Here he says, glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. As you have given him, the son, power over all flesh. Jesus has power over all humanity on earth. That he, the son, should give eternal life to as many as you have given him, the Son. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus is only going to give eternal life to those the Father gives to him? I thought we got eternal life through him. That's true. That is correct. Jesus paid the price for our sin. He was the sacrifice for our sin. And when a a sinner cries out to the Father for mercy and says, I accept the sacrifice of Jesus in my place. You are praying to the Father. Amen. You accept Jesus into your heart at that moment. But the first point is you have to pray to the Father to accept Jesus' sacrifice. And then the Father gives you Jesus in your heart and sends the Holy Spirit into your being that creates in you a new man. Amen? So these are those that the Father now gives to Jesus. And that's exactly what Jesus said here. He has authority, power over all flesh that the Son should give eternal life coming into your being and creating a new man to as many as the Father gives to the Son. And this is eternal life. Now, here's a very important statement. What is eternal life? Well, here's the definition right here. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus the Messiah, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. If you know God and you know Jesus, you have eternal life. And that doesn't mean know about. That means know intimately. Be intimately involved and associated with them. You know their character. And basically... You know Jesus as your Savior. That's eternal life. Verse 4. I have glorified you, God, on this earth. And I love this next statement. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Oh, hallelujah. I have finished the work which you, Father, have given me to do. Oh, that we could could pray the same thing at the end of our life. Imagine that. If you could be in such a godly presence of mind, that at the end of your life you could pray out to God and say, Thank you, Father, for Jesus. And thank you for this life on this earth, in this flesh that you've given me. For I have finished the work you gave me to do. Glory to God. I'm going to highlight that. Hallelujah. I have finished the work that you gave me to do. Verse 5 And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self. It says, glorify me with yourself, Father. The glory which I had with you Before the world even was. Give to me the glory that we shared together, Father. Your glory. The glory of the Most High God that I had before the world even was. John 1:1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, and the world was created. By the word. The word that became flesh. John 1.14. And now he says, Give to me your glory, Father, that I had with you before the world even was. Verse 6. I have manifested your name. That word name can be translated as character. I have translated your character Name and your character, or man, not translated, manifested. I have manifested your name and your character to these men which you gave to me out of this world. Now, this goes back to what he just said. Who has eternal life? Those that you have given me. And here he says, these men you gave me out of this world, this worldly system. When you get born again, you're still in the world. But you've seen something in Jesus. And your spirit man made the conscious decision to receive Jesus as the payment for your sins that God the Father requires. And when you do that, you are now in right standing with God the Father and now he sends Jesus and the Holy Spirit into your heart and into your life, and you are born again. You're recreated in the image of Christ, who's in the image of God. And now, here, or once that takes place, God gives to you Jesus, and he gives Jesus you. Amen. And here he says, I've manifested your name and character to these men, which you gave me out of this world, this worldly system. They are yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, when you accept the the sacrifice on the cross as your payment to God, your soul, your sins. You give yourself to God. He gives you to Jesus. And here he says, and you gave them to me. And they've kept your word. What word have they kept? They accept Jesus as their Savior, as Lord. Now they have known that all things Whatsoever you've given to me are of thee, or of you. They now know everything you've given me, that while they've been with me in this world, they now understand you gave to me. For I have given to them the words which you gave me. Jesus has told him repeatedly over and over, I can do no works, nothing of my own. But it's the Father within me. He does the works. The Son of Man does nothing except he sees the Father do it or he hears the Father tell him to do it. Right? He says, I've given to them the words which you gave me and they have received them and they have known surely that I came out from you and they have believed that you Did send me. Look at what Jesus is doing. He's praying this to the father. And his disciples are hearing it. And he is basically praising these men. For they have given up all. Remember Jesus once taught. Whoever loves houses. Or mother, father, brother, sister. or Whatever. Has no place in me. But whoever gives up father, mother, brother, sister, houses, lands, and all that will receive now, in this lifetime, a hundredfold and eternal life. Here Jesus said, They believed that you have sent me. They have recognized Jesus as the Messiah. Amen. And the Messiah is the one sent from God. They have recognized Jesus as sent. From God. And Jesus says here in verse 9. I pray for them. I don't pray for this world. But for them which you have given to me. For they are yours. I'm not praying for the worldly system. I'm not praying for the world. I'm only praying for the ones you have given to me to me now let's just stop right there for a minute and think about what that means actually ponder this Jesus is Jesus at one point told his disciples how can I phrase this okay one point, Jesus told his disciples, the world, Satan, has nothing in me right before he was going to be crucified. Another point, he told them, don't think that I've come to, how did he word it? Condemn the world? I'm not judging the world. He's only going to judge those who came to him. The Father judges... Everyone who does not have Jesus. You go to the book of Revelation. There are two judgments. One for the believers, one for unbelievers. The believers are judged on how they have fulfilled the calling Jesus has given to them. If you're called as an evangelist, we'll say, but you decide you want to be a pastor and you could have 10,000 people, members of your mega church that you're pastoring, preaching seven services a week. But if you are not doing the work of an evangelist, you do not receive your reward in heaven. Oh, you're going to have eternal life. You at least get that crown but you won't have the crown of an evangelist to cast down at Jesus' feet in Revelation because you failed in your calling. Brother Bob, how can you fail in a calling if you got 10,000 people coming to church? Because you're not doing the work Jesus told you to do. You may be called to be a janitor of a school and you want to be a race car driver. And your presence in that school is what keeps these kids safe because you're a praying man. Oh, you may have the hobby on the weekend of going out and racing cars or motorcycles or whatever, or like I used to do, speed boats. And that's okay. You can have a hobby. Nothing wrong with a hobby. But if... The devil decides, I need to get him out of that school so I can get some people in there and do one of these mass murders. But I can't do it with him there praying. And so the devil starts making it possible for you to get more and more popular in the racing circuit. And suddenly you get offered a job giving you twice the pay racing a car for this organization rather than being a janitor in school. I dare say many people would go and do it. But now, the hedge of protection that was around that school is gone. Your prayers are gone from around that school. And the devil has a wide open shot. And that's what you see. And when you get to heaven, you could be a Christian race car driver preaching in different churches every Sunday or whatever. But your calling, by God, was as a janitor for that school. And you failed. And you do not get your reward in heaven. Oh, thank God you'll be saved. You may be a doorkeeper at the gates of heaven. But there's no rewards for you. That's the first judgment. The second judgment is where all unbelievers are brought before the great white throne judgment. And the only thing they are judged in at that great white throne judgment is, did you accept Jesus as your Savior? And there will be a lot of people, Jesus even said, they'll say, oh, yes, And Jesus will deny them before the Father. And they'll cry out, Lord, didn't we do mighty works in your name and healings and and do all these things? And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. You may have known about me, but you never knew me. And uh, sadly, there is a lot of people in this earth that, that that fall into that category. Amen? Don't let it be you. Glory to God. Verse 10. All mine are yours. Because we just got done reading that God gave them to him. So when someone comes to God for the forgiveness of their sins, they now belong to God. Their sins are forgiven. They've Receive Jesus as their Savior. Now, God gives them to Jesus for what purpose? To use in this world to spread the gospel. Amen. And he's here in verse six it says, All mine are yours, and all yours are mine. I am glorified in them. Now, he just got done asking the Father to glorify the Son. And he says, I am glorified in them. Hallelujah. You see how you can take, you know, most people, when they just read their scriptures, they just read, blah, 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 blah. Yep, amen, hallelujah, read my chapter. Take the time to go verse by verse. (coughs) Excuse me. Don't rush through your scripture study, every verse of the Bible. I mean, I could take any one of these verses and preach an entire sermon on it. I'm just giving you little snippets. Amen? Here, we tie together that Jesus is glorified in the people God has given to him. And in verse 1, it says, glorify your son, that I may glorify you. For I'm glorified through them which you have given me. So he's going to bring glory back to the Father through them which the Father has given to him. It's a complete circle. Hallelujah. Verse 11. Now I am no more in the world. Wait a minute. He hasn't died yet. But he's saying that the hour has come. Remember 1632? The hour has come. Yes, yes. The hour is now come. He said, I am no longer in this world. Basically what he's saying is, I am no longer going to remain in this world. But these are in the world. These will be here in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep through your own name, your own character, keep through your own character which Jesus is the express image of God the Father. Amen. Keep through your own character those whom you have given to me. He's asking God the Father. He's interceding with the Father for, the, for his followers that God has given to him. Keep them that you have given to me. That they, now get this next part, that they may be one as we are. Jesus, again I'll say, repeatedly said, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. We are one. I do nothing of my own. The works I do are from the Father. Amen. I don't say anything unless I hear my father say it. I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. And here he says, keep these that are going to be operating in this worldly system that have known me, and if they've known me, Jesus, then they know you, Father. Keep them that they may be one as we are one. Then he says, verse 12, While I was with them in this world, I kept them in your name. That you gave me, I have kept. Not one of them is lost, except the son of perdition. So that scripture may be fulfilled. And now I'm coming to you, Holy Father. And these things I speak while I'm still in this world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He says, I'm speaking this to you, Father, while I'm still here, so that they will remember it and have joy in themselves, that they are one as we are one. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world hates them, because the world they are not of this world anymore, even as I am not of this world. I've given to them your word. Jesus before said, the word is light and life to all who find it. Jesus is saying here, Father, I've given them your word that you've given to me. And the world hates them because they are no longer of the world. The world They are in the world, but the world is not in them, even as I am not of the world. Verse 15. I'm not asking, Father, that you should take them out of this world, but that you would keep them from the evil in this world. If evil should befall you while you're in this world, is that the will of God? No. God's only will is for all men to be saved. If you have sickness or if you know, you're attacked, whatever the case may be, that's because the devil is trying to take you out. I don't care if it's a sniffly nose. It's the devil's attempt to try and make you sick. If he can get a foothold in there, he can expand that to maybe a full blown cold and then the flu and then pneumonia. And then your lungs shut down and your kidneys shut down and death as a result. He took you out of the world. Oh, you get to go be with Jesus. You see, when you get born again, the devil doesn't care if you go to heaven. He, matter of fact, if he would have his way, as soon as you receive Jesus as your Savior, he'd just as soon kill you and get you out of the way. Because you are a threat to him in witnessing to other people. You know, the devil is not all that powerful. How many of you can remember back to when you did get born again? You were sitting probably in the church or maybe listening to the radio or whatever, you're listening to this preacher. And in you, your spirit man, in you, even though you're not born again, you know, in you, you have a knowing in you, there's more to life than this. I need a savior. I believe Jesus did die for me. And as soon as this preacher gets done talking and gives the invitation, I'm going down. There. I'm raising my hand I'm going down front, whatever it takes. I am not leaving here tonight in the same condition I came in. Now, if the devil could kill you before you went and prayed the sinner's prayer down front or filled out that card claiming that you made Jesus your Savior, if he could kill you before that took place, that would be the time he'd do it a heart attack, have you trip and break your neck, whatever the case may be, he would try and take you out before you made Jesus your Lord and Savior. But he can't do that. He cannot do that. He doesn't have the power to do that. So after you get born again, now, if you're like me and probably 95% of the other believers I've talked to, After you get born again, you get excited. You want to go share it with everyone. You want to tell everyone that you accepted Jesus as your Savior. You are so happy about that. Hallelujah. And when you start witnessing to other people, that is when you become a real threat to the devil. And he still can't take you out. He has no power, no authority over life and death. Now, that's not saying that he cannot use another person as a tool like he used the snake in the garden. Amen? He can use other people who have yielded, yielded themselves to Satan's will to kill you. You see these beheadings and all that in the Middle East right now coming to America. These people are demon-possessed. Muslims are (gasps) demon-possessed. Brother Bob, I thought there were some good Muslims. I mean, you know, the, the peaceful, loving Muslims. They're still deceived. They're still yielding their spirits to a demonic spirit. And that demon spirit can flare up at any time. You see that in these isolated incidences You know, where a Muslim man kills his daughter because she refuses to wear the burqa or whatever, the headband or whatever the case may be, the veil. Or she dated a non-Muslim, disrespecting the family. See, in Muslim community, that's okay. It's because that father's demon-possessed. And if his daughter dates a Christian... As disrespecting the family, disrespecting the prophet. And to kill her in the Muslim community is okay. Because the demon doesn't want that Christian influence in the family. That's why in the Muslim world, if someone converts to Christianity, they do everything in their power to get them to recant. Because the demons do not want a Christian in their midst. So that could be killing the Christian if they refuse to recant. But you see, the devil can't kill them himself. He has to inhabit other people and use them as a tool to do so. That's why the Middle East is so contentious right now. Because there are so many demon-possessed people over there that the Christians are having a hard time. Well, Brother Bob, if, if God's so powerful, why doesn't he just you know, come down and wipe them all out and save the Christians? Oh, it's coming. Glory to God. That day is rapidly approaching. That's exactly what the book of Revelation is describing. As well as Daniel... Esther is an example, a story of the, the the threat to the Jews and how God will save them. But what you just said, God is going to do in just a few days. Amen. All right. Got off on that side tangent there. Let's get back on track. Hallelujah. Verse 15, I'm not asking, Father, that you would take them out of the world, but you would keep them from the evil. For they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them. That word means sanctify. That means to separate them. Be separated. Separate them through your truth. Thy word is truth. So he's saying separate them by your word. That's what causes all of the problems in the Middle East. The Christians, those people who receive Jesus as their Savior and profess they are Christians, are saying the Word of God has separated us from the world. We are not of this Islamic Muslim world anymore. A Christian in the United States would say, I am not of this Babylonian system world anymore. Thy word is truth. Again, you can go back to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. There was not anything made that was not made by the word. The truth. The truth of the word. The truth is the word, and the word is truth. Verse 18. As you have sent me into this world... Even so, I have also sent them into the world. Remember the missions that Jesus sent his disciples on? Why why did he do that? One, it was to prepare the places for him to go preach. Two, to demonstrate to them that they had power and authority in this world. Three, what did he tell them? Take no money in your bag, no script, not even a change of clothes or sandals for your feet. Then later he asked the disciples, he said, when I sent you into the world to go preach... Did you lack anything? And they answered, nothing. We didn't lack anything. Everything was provided for us. What's he telling them? What did he show them? He was showing them here. I sent them into the world to separate them from the world, to demonstrate to them they no longer have to rely on worldly things to get by. And they learned that lesson. They learned that. And for their sakes, verse 19, I sanctify myself. I separate myself that they also might be sanctified or separated through the truth, through the word. For their sakes, I separate myself that they may be separated through your word, Father. And I love verse 20. Neither do I pray for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Hallelujah. That's you and me. Jesus right there in John 17, 20 prayed for you personally to the Father. You and me and every other believer because we believed on those 12 men well, 11, Judas wasn't there. But he's also teaching his other disciples. Amen. But basically, Jesus said right there I'm not just praying for these sitting here listening to me tonight, I'm praying for every person who will ever believe on me through their word. And we believe. <laughs> Every person, every believer that has ever come to Jesus as his as their savior has believed on Jesus through the teachings, through the words of those disciples. Amen. Hallelujah. That's Jesus praying for you. Jesus personally prayed for you to the Father. Hallelujah. Verse 21 again that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Oh, glory to God, that the world that they are separated from by your word may believe that you have sent me. Jesus is the express image of God the Father. We are recreated in the image of Christ who's in the image of God. So you as the world looks at you, should see Jesus alive in you and God the Father living in you. That's why Jesus said that he and the Father would come and sup with you and abide in you, make their abode in you, and then you get filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You have the Trinity of God residing in you, in your new spirit man. You have all the power of God in you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the glory. The glory which you gave me, I have given them. The glory, the power, the anointing. When Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock, God said, "My glory'll pass by, and then you'll see where I was." Moses came down from the mountain, had to put a veil on his face because of the glory. Said his face shone brightly because of the glory. That glory you have in you. That's why after you get born again, you can go and see some of your old friends or something, and you say, "Man, you've changed." It's because the old man's died and passed away. And behold, all things are new. Jesus recreated you in a new spirit man in his image. When you get born again, your old friends really won't want anything to do with you anymore. I've heard testimony after testimony, and I experienced it. That once I got born again, I didn't want to do the things I used to do. I didn't want to hang around with the people that I used to hang around with. My friends said, you've changed. You've changed. And I had changed. Hallelujah. I died. And then I was born again. Glory to God. The glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one even as we... Are one, hallelujah. We can be one with God through Christ, one with the Father. Think about—we'll just use this as an example. Think about your father being some rich multi-millionaire, and you are an outcast. Somehow or other, you got separated from the mother at birth. And now years later, your father sends someone to look for you and invites you to come live in his house. And you do. Now you are part of the family again. You should have no need left undone. The glory... Your father has given to you, makes you part of his family. You're one with him. You if you have a need, you don't have to say, "Well, I got to go buy some shoes today. I'm going to go panhandle on the side of the road." You don't have to do that. You just say, "Father, I need some money for shoes." And he gives them to you. Amen. He says, The glory which you gave me, I have given them. This is before Jesus died on the cross. He's already given them his glory. That they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them just as much as you have loved me. Some people have a hard time wrapping their minds around that one. How can God love me just as much as he loves Jesus? Because Jesus said so right there. God loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. He loves you so much he sent Jesus to die in your place. The most Horrific kind of death that was possible at that time. Death on a cross. He loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to do that. I love my grandchildren. And I would do anything for them, including die for them. if we were somewhere and a gunman came in or whatever i would do my best to get them out of harm's way into safety even if i had to stay there and die to protect them i know you, know, you keep hearing about mothers that would do that to protect their children and things like that here god gave His only son, only begotten, the only son of God, the only one who was authorized to come to heaven, the only one who fulfilled every requirement under the old covenant to live forever in heaven, the only one, and God sent him, to die in your place. He was the seed planted in the earth that when the harvest came up, God has millions and billions of sons and daughters. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's something only God could do. But as a man stripped of all power and authority that was his because he has been since the world began. Jesus came and gave it all up to live the life of a man on this earth under the old covenant, under the Abrahamic covenant, that when he walked with God, God would walk with him. That's why he was able to do All the miracles. Not because he was God. But because he was walking in the authority of the Abrahamic covenant. Demonstrating how we are supposed to live in this earth. I'm not talking about keeping the Ten Commandments and all that. Those are good things to keep. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus did much more than that. Jesus showed us. That he who loves God walks with God. God's with him because of the sacrifice of Jesus. That's what he keeps talking about. You get born again into God's kingdom. The kingdom is the king's dominion. Where the king rules. The king has authority. If any attacker comes into the kingdom realm. And word gets back to the king, he dispatches his army to deal with the threat. It all relates, folks, it all relates to how we have the same rights and privileges of the son. We are sons in God's house. Did you ever see the pictures of like President Kennedy and all them? You know, here he is dealing with, you know, National crises and you know international events, and it's, the photographer is taking these pictures and it shows his son playing, you know, on the floor in front of the desk. Some people like that shit. That's not right. That that, sh- that shouldn't happen. But yet, the son doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. The father doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. It's just judgmental people who think that they're doing something wrong. The the son has total confidence that he can come to his daddy's office at any time. And doesn't matter what daddy's doing, he's at least going to welcome his son when he arrives. He may get back to work in a minute, but he's going to take a moment just to let the son know it's okay for you to be here. Amen. That's the same thing with us. That's the same way that's the same thing we should be doing. Recognizing that we have access to the actual throne room of God. Remember in the temple, they had the outer court, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. And the, only the high priest one time in a year could go into the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus died on the cross, that veil was ripped from the top to the bottom, symbolizing it was ripped by God down to the, all the way from the top, which reaches, it was like 30 feet high. All the way to the bottom. What did man try to do? They tried to repair the curtain. Keep that separation there. God was saying there's no longer a curtain necessary. You have complete access to me at any time. Through Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 23 again. I in them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. That the world, everyone in the world, may know that you, Father, have sent me into the world. That you have loved them just as much as you have loved me. Father, I will. Do you think Jesus' will is done? Do you think if Jesus wills something to be done, it's going to happen? Absolutely. He says, Father, it is my will that they also, whom you've given to me, will be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Oh, glory to God, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus wants All of his believers, remember up here in verse 20, I'm not just praying for these here, sitting here and listening to me teach, but for them which will believe on me through their word, that they may be with me in heaven where I am going, and see my glory that I had with you before the world was. Oh, Hallelujah. This is Jesus' will. This is his will for us. Oh, righteous Father, in verse 25, the world has not known you, but I've known you. And these that you've given to me have known that you sent me. I have declared to them your name, your character. I've declared to them, I've described to them how you are. That's what it means to to know someone's character. You know what they're made of. You know how they think and how they act. I've declared that to them about you. And I will continue to declare it. That the love wherewith you have loved me may be in them. And I in them. God is love. Hallelujah. And the love, Jesus is saying right here, the love that you have loved me with may be in them. And the love which you have loved me with is in them, therefore I am in them because I'm the son of love. Jesus' will is that the love of God be in you? That the love with which He has loved Jesus, that's the love of God, would be in you. And it all sums up, amen? It all sums up that verse 23. I in them, the love of God manifested in Jesus may be in them and you, Father, in me. So that the love of God is in Jesus who is now in the believer, amen, that they may be made perfect in one if you've received Jesus as your Savior, you are now perfect. Perfect. In God's eyes. Because you have Jesus in you. Jesus has the Father in him. That means you have the Father in you. You have the Father of love. The creator of all things. The most high God almighty in you. Through Jesus, that you may be complete, perfect. Now, this fleshly body may not be perfect. Some of the decisions you make with your mind may not be perfect, but your spirit man is perfect. Amen? And when that's the case, Those who are living in the world, under the worldly system, under the ungodly Babylonian world system that is in all the world, that hates Christianity and hates Christians and does everything it can to despise Christians, they cannot deny that they do not know that Jesus is in you. They see the difference. They see you. The new you. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, you, I'll say this again, you come to the Father telling him you want to repent of your sins. He says, receive my son Jesus. You receive Jesus as your Savior, as dying in your place. God therefore says, I now raise you up from the dead. You are now born again. And his love, the love of God is now shed abroad in your heart. You are now a new creation. You are not the same person you were before you prayed the sinner's prayer. And now... The world, those in the world, those who are not saved, can see the difference. At least they should be able to see the difference. Amen. If they can't see a difference in you, that means you're still holding on to the worldly system. You can't have it both ways. You cannot serve God and man. Jesus said you cannot have two owners. A servant cannot have two masters. Either he'll love the one and hate the other, despise the one and cling to the other. You cannot serve God and money. Mammon is the the God of the world if you want to describe it like that, the God of the worldly system. Everything is about money. There's churches where everything is about money. There's businesses designed to be services to the people, the population. But bottom line, it's all about money. You have to give up that Babylonian system. You have to get your mind off of the money and onto God. Because it all belongs to him anyway. And it says the riches of the sinners is laid up for the just. Those that have been justified. Amen. Trust God. Trust God. God has not fallen off his throne. Here in the United States of America... We've attempted to push God off His throne. You know, they outlawed prayer in schools. Then they outlawed public expressions of faith in the parks. They've taken the Ten Commandments out of court buildings. And many towns and communities have made ordinances where you cannot have Christian displays. On public property, like at Christmas time. They've legalized the sacrifice of babies to the God of Molech through abortions. 60 million babies killed, offered as sacrifice. What do you mean, offered by sacrifice? To allow someone to continue to live the lifestyle of sexual immorality that they wanted to. That's what an abortion is. Someone who did the things that were designed by God to create life, and they did them for pleasure. And when life was created, they decided they didn't want that life they didn't want that responsibility they wanted to maintain their immoral lifestyle so they offered that child as a sacrifice to the god of their lifestyle oh they may not have made a conscious decision in that manner but that's what it means amen going out and consuming alcohol what's the nickname for alcohol spirits That's because there are spirits that inhabit the alcohol, and you consume them, and it clouds your judgment. That's what spirits do. They blind your eyes. Did you ever hear the term blind drunk? Amen. But when you receive Jesus as your Savior, and you receive the Spirit of God in you, You know all things because God is making his abode in you. When you receive God the Father and Jesus making their abode in you, and you are no longer the Holy Spirit, no longer comes upon you but dwells in you, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance of what he said, what he taught. And the only way you can know that is by studying your word or his word, the word of God. You can't know him without letting him talk to you. It'd be like from the time you were born into this earth, your parents never talked to you. They did, you know, every now and then they'd acknowledge your presence. But they never talk to you. How would that make you feel? Go on the opposite end. How many of your children live in your house, but you never talk to them? Every time you ask them a question, how's school today? Fine. What'd you learn today? Uh. Got any homework? No. So what'd you do at school? Nothing. That's your conversation. How sad that really is. And a lot of Christians operate the same way. When God says, what do you need? I don't know. Money. Okay, if you need money, this is what you got to do. A, B, and C. Seed time and harvest. Uh Uh-uh. I don't want to do that. Just give me money. Spend time in my word. I don't have time. What are you doing? I'm watching TV. Why don't you turn off the TV, get in the Word, and I'll show you how to get money. Uh, it's not that important. That's how we treat God. Jesus says we're to have a relationship with Him, and God would be in Him, in us, that we would be one with Him in the Father. And if we're one with the Father... All we got to do is pray out to God in the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, "He." Will, well, let's go back John 16, verse 23. In that day, you won't ask me for anything. Verily, fairly, I say to you, you'll ask the Father in my name, and whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. You won't have any needs left undone if you ask the Father in Jesus' name. Well, I asked God to bless me and, and give me money in Jesus' name, and he didn't do it. It's because God's not going to rain counterfeit money down from heaven, dummy. When he created the earth, he created everything for all time to be in the earth. And for just cover this real quick before we close, he uses other people. To get money into your hands. We might cover that next time. But if you have never received Jesus as your Savior, this is your day to do so. I think we covered enough information to show you today that as long as you have Jesus in your heart, you have it made. Ask Jesus right now. Lord Jesus, well first let's go to the Father and receive Jesus. His forgiveness through Jesus. Father God, I come to you this day as a sinner. And I thank you that you sent Jesus to the cross as payment for my sin. I receive Jesus as my Savior. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Create in me a new man, one righteous in the eyes of the Father through you. And I receive you and the Father and the Holy Spirit to make your abode in me. And Lord, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you pray that prayer, let me know. Email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org. Well, there's the music. We're all done for today. Be blessed, folks, in all that you do.
1: You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher, Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chappacasino.com.